Welcome to the Pentecost Podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Epsworth. The Pentecost Podcast is a podcast dedicated to exploring Pentecostal theology and history. If you're a Pentecostal who is passionate about theology, or someone discovering Pentecostalism for the first time, then join me in exploring Pentecostal theology and history through this podcast. This episode is part four of our The Church and the Full Gospel series, based on the book toward a Pentecostal ecclesiology, the Church and the Fivefold Gospel, to which you can find a link in the podcast description. While each episode in this series builds on the previous, they can also be listened to by themselves. Just in case you're jumping into this series with this episode, let me quickly summarize the Fivefold Gospel again. The Fivefold Gospel is the confession that Jesus is justifier, sanctifier, spirit baptizer, healer, and coming king. In this episode, we're going to explore spirit baptism, the church and the Trinitarian narrative. Within the articulation of the full gospel, that Jesus is spirit baptizer, is an affirmation of the triune nature of God. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This Trinitarian formulation, found in Galatians 4, can be summarized, as the book puts it, as the two sendings. First, the sending of the Son of God, and second, the sending of the Holy Spirit. Quote, In other words, it is primarily in relation to Jesus as spirit baptizer that the spirit is distinguished as the third identity and the full Trinitarian doctrine is revealed for the very first time. Spirit baptism could be said to constitute the denouement of the Trinitarian narrative, end quote. Thus the sending of the spirit to the church as the third member of the Trinity is the completion of the revelation of the Trinity. It also means that the church is inextricably linked to God's revelation. The relationship of the Holy Spirit to the church can be thought of as a kind of incarnation similar to Jesus's incarnation in taking on humanity. The key difference in this parallel is that the Holy Spirit is not incarnated in the church through union with the church, like Christ's union with human nature, but rather that the Spirit, to use the words of Simon Chan, quote, comes in his whole person into the church, such that in and through the church, the Spirit's personhood is revealed, end quote. One aspect of this revelation of the Spirit's personhood in the incarnational relation to the church is that the Spirit becomes the localized Shekinah glory of God in the church, just as God's Shekinah glory was manifested in the tabernacle, and Jesus is the temple and the localized presence of God on earth. This relationship between the Spirit and the Church unites the Church ontologically to Christ as its head. Ontology, as explained in a previous episode, is the nature of being. At Pentecost, the giving of the Spirit unites the Church to Christ. Quote, Through the indwelling Spirit, 
the church becomes the corporate personality of Christ, that is, the extension of Christ the truth. End quote. This ontological union with Christ through the Spirit means that the church remains connected to the apostolic tradition. The Spirit ensures the church's connection to Christ even after the death of the apostles. As Galatians 4 verse 6 states, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Son, and therefore the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, as Jesus is the truth. Being connected to Christ through the ontological union via the Holy Spirit means that for Pentecostals, the focus of theology, and indeed their faith, is an encounter with our triune God. Quote, Spirit baptism, for Pentecostals, is an intensely real encounter with the persons of the Spirit and Jesus. End quote. The chapter goes on to say, quote, Pentecostals are not primarily interested in ideas, but in persons. We may call this characteristic Pentecostal particularity. That is to say, they are supremely interested in the particular rather than in the general. End quote. This emphasis on personal relationship with the triune God in his three persons of Father, Son and Holy Spirit informs and explains Pentecostal's passion for worship and missions. The subject of missions brings us to the sign and act of speaking in tongues. Tongues can be divided into two broad categories. First, xenolalia, which is the speaking of known human languages. And two, glossolalia, which is the speaking of unknown languages, sometimes called angelic language or prayer language. Speaking of the power and importance of our native languages, Daniela Augustine writes of how language acts as a mobile habitat, a home away from home. Our mother tongue is our motherland, so to speak. The impartation of Xenolalia on the day of Pentecost, therefore, is an act of God's hospitality welcoming in the multitude of ethnicities that were present in Jerusalem into the community of the church, the body of Christ. Quote, As it indwells the mother tongue, the single ethnic identity dimension that accompanies the listener in their journey from cradle to grave, the word of God welcomes them as a motherland in which they can find rest from their wandering and uncertainty of belonging. God becomes their eternal home. End quote. With regard to glossolalia, its function serves to provide a foretaste of the new creation when heaven and earth will be joined together. Quote, the charismatic gift unites the material and spiritual dimensions of existence, the visible and the invisible reality. It manifests the church as the new creation in which heaven and earth are reunited in the life of the triune God. End quote. Augustine concludes, quote, Therefore, both xenolalia and glossolalia have a sacramental function in the life of the charismatic community, articulating the mystery of the union of the redeemed creation with its creator and experiencing the inbreaking of the eschatological fullness of Christ in his body. End quote. Well, what are my key takeaways? My understanding and appreciation of Trinitarian theology has been deepened by the insight into the personhood of the Spirit as revealed in differentiation to Christ as Spirit baptizer 
and the importance of Jesus as spirit baptizer to sound Trinitarian doctrine. The parallel between Christ's incarnation and the Spirit's indwelling of the church was also a profound picture of the relationship between the church and the Spirit, as the church is the self-revelatory act of the Holy Spirit. One thing that particularly struck me was the way in which the presence of the Spirit ensures the apostolicity of the church in direct connection to Christ himself. This has far-reaching implications for the debate over the nature of apostolic succession, the ontological union between Christ and his church through the Spirit means there is the guarantee of apostolic succession of doctrine and tradition. Finally, the sacramental function of tongues, both in its xenolalia form of the hospitality and inclusion of God's kingdom, embracing the multiplicity of ethnicities and languages on the earth as a reverse of Babel, and the glossolalia form of the eschatological reunion and reconstitution of heaven and earth in the new creation, helped to nuance my practice of speaking in tongues, as well as my theology of tongues, and its importance for missions. As a foreigner living in Japan, I can attest to the importance my native language plays in giving me a sense of connection to my home country. The concept that in speaking our native languages, we inhabit our motherland in a spiritual sense seems intuitively true, especially in experience. Raising my children to be bilingual is important to me, as in learning and speaking English, my children have acquired some of the cultural traits of my motherland and have a sense of belonging to it, even if they are not growing up there. In a way, culture is embedded in the very words and the very grammar of our language. This has given me an even greater empathy for the need to translate the Bible into people's native languages and to see missions not as converting people and nations to Christianity per se, but as extending the hospitality of God's kingdom, helping people find their true belonging as per God's original design for humanity in the kingdom of God and ultimately in the new creation. Mission becomes, from this perspective, a reversal of Babel and a spiritual return to Eden. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and help by sharing this podcast with your church, family and friends. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'll catch you in the next one.